Hashtag Never Alone with Joe and Mark. Hi everyone and welcome to Hashtag Never Alone episode 11, season 2. I am your lived experience host Joe Ambrick. And I'm psychotherapist and relationship counsellor and Joe's co-host Mark Fielding. And um, today's episode we are focusing on mental health in the family. Um, and we are joined by our guest who will introduce shortly. Um, we were supposed to be joined by two brothers, but <laughs> we are, the guest being the guest <laughs> isn't answering its phone right now. Um, so we do have his brother here, though, as well. Um, we were just talking a little bit about uh, what it's like to live with someone, a sibling that's got a mental health experience and whether they've got mental health experience to herself. Um, and I'd like to introduce our guest now. Hi, Simon. Hi, how's it going? Yeah, good. Thank you for joining us. Um, yeah, Simon's a good friend of mine. Um, we're supposed to be joined by his brother Dan as well, but um, can't get hold of him at the moment. <laughs> yeah, Dan's gone AWOL at the moment, hasn't he? <laughs> yeah. Um, so, Simon, just tell us a little bit about your own experience with mental health and then also what it's like to have a sibling that's got mental health. Uh, yeah, so my mental health's not really... I wouldn't, I mean, I, I get, I have social anxiety. That's about as far as mine goes, where I don't like being in crowds of people. Like, I tend to avoid parties and stuff just because I feel drained and really uncomfortable in them. Uh, that's as far as mine goes, really. I mean, it's pretty, pretty minor, but uh, my experience with it is Dan, um, he has OCD, anxiety, borderline personality disorders, uh, and there's only 10 months between me and Dan. Uh, so yeah it started when he was about 11 or 12 so I was about 10 that's when I remember noticing it anyway uh I say with myself it's it's really just been you know the usual anxieties and things but nothing like to his level yeah I know he struggles quite a bit with his uh, mental health hope he doesn't mind me sharing like I've been friends with him years and I've been friends with you for quite a while like known you longer than I've known Dan but obviously never met you in person but Dan I've known for a while and the good thing with him he's quite pretty open about his mental health um yeah I don't think he'll mind too much about you know us mentioning and I think he does he does kind of make his own mental health worse sometimes like because some of the stuff I didn't know he had like you saying he has OCD I never knew he had and personality disorder Mm -hmm. like when I think maybe two years ago maybe yeah about two years ago now I think he told me he had it I OCD think he only found out yeah. recently as well. He didn't find out that long ago that you had personality disorder, you told me. Um, yeah, but, so he started off with OCD. That's what that's what it initially was. Uh, yeah. Let's say it was mainly obsession with counting. Uh, yeah. That's what, that's how it started with him. As far as I know, anyway, I mean, if he was here, he could probably say it started before then, but what I first noticed when he was counting his steps. So I'd, we used to share our bedroom, and I'd be sitting in bed playing with PlayStation or whatever, and I'd hear shuffling outside the door uh, and counting, yeah. like, one, two, three, four, five. And I'd be like, Dan, what are you doing? And he's like, oh, I'm just, I'm just, not nothing. And he'd be counting his steps to get the right number so he feels okay to come in the room. Yeah. Uh, that's how we, that's my earliest memory of it anyway. That's how it manifested itself to me. Jim, do you, how, how did it affect the, the, the family, Simon? Um, so, so you noticed that when Dan was 10? Yeah, he was about 10 or 11. Uh, my mum and dad weren't really too clued up with mental health or anything. So they just thought he was, you know, being being silly or just, you know, didn't really know what to do with him. Just basically saying, Dan, what are you doing? You know, because he used to be outside. And um, another thing he used to do was he, he would constantly pull his socks up. So you would be walking along with him. He'll stop. He'll suddenly bend down and shuffle his socks up above his ankles. They have to be a certain height. And they do it constantly. You know, my mum and dad will just go, why are you stopping? Come on, let's go. Let's, let's keep going. And... Um, I don't think it helped him, but uh, to be fair to them, they, they didn't know anything about OCD or what it could be. I mean, to them, that was just cleaning. Um, and I think it was the school who mentioned he might have an issue when he was about 13 or 14, roughly that age, anyway, from my memory. And uh, that's when he went to get help from psychiatrists and stuff. And uh, we also found out that he used to write down a lot, that he had diaries. Uh, he, he was sitting at school and while everyone else was working, he'd have this, he, he, I remember him saying to me that he used to have these thoughts that if he died right this second, no one will know what he was thinking. So he used to write down all of his thoughts and that was something else. That's what he was doing at the same time as the counting, but he kept that totally secret. Um, yeah. 
So again, you know, it's my mum and dad were unaware of that. They literally just thought he was, you know, being a kid. He was just doing, you know, silly little things like counting or, or putting his socks up or something, you know, just the things that are like a habit. Not that yeah. it was that natural uh, disorder. Yeah, because um, there's not much of an age gap between me and Dan and yourself. So mm-hmm. I think we're kind of from that generation as well where a lot of, there wasn't much about mental health, especially in schools. Yeah, so yeah, yeah, the answer is it didn't really affect them at all at the beginning because they didn't know what it was. They just thought he's, he's just a kid. He's doing, you know, silly things or whatever. And I, I was quite a quiet kid. So, you know, I didn't really say anything about it. It was just like, oh, it's just Dan being being Dan. Uh, but obviously thinking back now, you know, as soon as we noticed that, that's when we should have really, you know, looked into it and mm. started to, you know, looking to get into some help for it. But we generally just didn't know at the time. So he did go a few years probably without any help at all. Was the school kind of helpful? So the school noticed Simon originally. I mean, well, what kind of help did they provide? Yeah, uh, I can't remember much, to be honest, about what help they provided. I remember he had a psychiatrist um, and a counsellor. I remember he had, he had he probably had the counsellor first, then went to the psychiatrist after. And I think that was between the school and my mum, that was kind of arranged. Um, but again, I can't remember them. I just know that it was it was at school started noticing me, you know, said to mum that we think he might have some issues or something because he's the things he does and the way he acts is definitely something, you know, going on. And I think that's what um, you know, through the school they recommended him a counsellor and stuff like that. And I think that's when he started to get his actual help when he was about probably about 13, 14. And they diagnosed him with OCD and and uh, I remember he used to do it on the phone. He would be sat on the phone and they'll be giving him, you know, tips on what to do. Uh, you know, how to manage it. Yeah, I can't remember much about the school, uh, actually, what support they get. I mean, I was young myself, so I didn't really pay that much attention, but I do remember Dan's issues and Dan going through counselling, so, you know, which was arranged for his school. I remember it was arranged for his school. Well, it's good that you had the support for the school. We were saying yeah. the other day, we were doing an episode on youth and mental health, and we were saying a lot of the schools, my schools specifically, like some of the stuff I went through, like the bullying and stuff, the schools did barely anything about it. And like, yeah, I mean, I, I don't think they did like a lot about it. I think it was just a case of we think there's some might be something mentally, you know, going on, whether it's, I don't know, some sort of depression or whatever. But, you know, we, we think we're going to recommend, I think they've just pretty much suggested we think he needs to see a counselor to deal with these issues. I don't think it was a case of, you know, them actually being really full on or anything like that. Yeah, um, it's, it's good this, noticed, yeah. yeah, I mean, this is something that's really important for you, Joe. You talk about this on the show all the time, don't you? The fact that, I don't know, schools are not... I mean, I'm hearing the school, we're a little bit helpful here, but the schools perhaps don't do as much really around mental health as they could. This is often your feeling, Joe, isn't it? Yeah, I think yeah. a lot of young people are a bit clueless about what mental health is. I was definitely not taught what it is and what yeah. can cause it and I think I probably had mental health issues a lot sooner than I actually was diagnosed like obviously you know, you've known me a while I wasn't diagnosed with mental health stuff until I was like 23 maybe um but I probably had it a lot sooner from all the trauma from being bullied at school and stuff and mm. I think our generation there was a lot missing to help people with mental health Definitely, yeah, definitely. I mean, I probably could have done with a little bit. Like I say, I, the only thing I've really, I've never really suffered from severe depression or anything. Anything I've really had is just, you know, anxieties and worries and stuff. But yeah, school different. You know, if I was at school and I was having a bit of a bad day, no one noticed. Do you know what I mean? No one would come up to me and said, Sorry, you're okay. You seem a bit, you know, a bit quieter mm. today, or there was no one really there. Um, so yeah, I think more, you know, more teachers trained to recognize the signs will be, would definitely be a, uh, a positive. Yeah, and I think more education as well. You know, I mean, I did, I mean, you know, back in the Stone Age when I was at school, you know, there was there was literally nothing really, you know. And mm. I, I think there's probably still nothing now really. I mean, you know, mental health classes, you know, having, having a class about what's good mental health, how you can look after your mental health. None of that, is there? And it's so important uh, really. Well, maybe there is, I don't know. But As far as I know, I think my, yeah. my daughter's school, they have, uh, there's one teacher, she's in primary, there's one in primary and junior school, um, both my daughters. And there's, there's only one, I think, trained, uh, teacher, I think I what they're called now. But yeah, there's, there's one teacher that does deal with kids with, you know, they, they have special one-on-one sessions. Um, oh, okay, cool. But again, okay. it's usually only if the parents say to them, I think my child might be having some issues, can, you know, because my daughter went to see her for a, a few, I think she went to see her for a few months. I mean, they're not 
you know they're not highly trained or anything they they just know how to recognize certain signs i can't remember what they're called uh, i can't remember what they called them but it's there's only one is my point there should be more than i mean they all yeah. should recognize the signs didn't they yeah that's what matt but was yeah, saying the other day they were saying matt was saying the other day they were saying um the about do you have all these professional people coming to the school or even if there are professional people there's not i think it helps sometimes to have the people with lived experience come and share their stories as well yeah. which is what he was saying is what he does um but it was just such a lack of resources when we were young when we were probably between the ages he said dan yeah. was and at the school age yeah i mean it's again it goes back to the school thing i knew nothing about how ocd can i thought ocds was just someone who cleaned a lot like you know they yeah, just totally obsessively right. cleaned i think at one point i thought he meant obsessive cleaning disorder or something <laughs> and uh yeah i just uh he never he was never really he never he, he was never a cleaner he never went around cleaning everything it was literally just patterns and um how it so after he went to the council psychiatrist he told them what it actually was going on in his head and what it was so my granddad passed away in 2003 um i don't think we was that close to him but um it was my granddad's voice in his head that was saying if you don't count a certain amount of times before you enter this room or if you don't pull your socks up or if you don't do whatever it was something bad will happen to you or everyone uh and yeah that that only come out really after he was talking to the counselors and stuff because he just i think he just told us to be honest with you as I remember anyway I remember him telling me anyway when we was in our room one day just chatting so it's uh yeah that's that's what was causing his yeah what was telling him to do these things uh which is kind of a yeah it's quite dark but to him it was you know if the cancer was basically trying to teach him that uh to what is it to not to go against it to kind of like accept it's there and just let it kind of wither away Hmm. um but as you know dan still has you know his issues now so well like you said like some of the things i like i said before i would never know he had ocd but now you look back at like how he always keeps his car clean how he likes things a particular way like it does make sense and even with like the personality disorder the personality disorder thing as well like i didn't know he had that but now like i've got it myself Mm -hmm. i was recently diagnosed like a couple years ago and now I'm looking at him, a lot of the stuff he does makes sense to why he does it because that personality disorder, you do stuff yeah. without realizing it's wrong, or you do like I used to have outbursts and stuff, I'd go for zero to 100 or the tiniest little criticism, go escalate. And yeah, Dan obviously has his own characteristics of this personality disorder to act the way he does. Yeah, I mean, things that you know, um someone like me or you know someone who doesn't suffer from these mental health things that we would see as wrong or okay i probably shouldn't do that he probably doesn't yeah. even realize like it's you know yeah things that you know it's uh but yeah one thing i realized uh growing up with someone with with these things is is it's not always it's not just like here's a box here's what it is it's it always manifests itself from different you know you can't just tick one box for, for all so ocd is loads of different things it can do to you you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I've heard but it's the, like, the, the, yeah. yeah. The diagnostic labels are helpful, but yeah, I mean, if, just like you yeah, said, so, I mean, exactly, everyone's yeah. an individual, right? You know, people are more That's than just an OCD diagnosis and it comes out in different ways. Did, did, yeah. it, did it kind of, when, after the diagnosis came, I mean, just kind of bringing it back to the family and maybe your relationship, did, yeah. it, did, it, did it change things? Was there a lot of focus then on, on your brother? Um, so we was more patient with him. We was more aware um i mean you know growing up as a teenager and i mean like i can say we shared a small room together there was pretty much two single beds one other side so it's pretty close together uh and yeah the, the things he used to do did used to get on my nerves but after we knew what it was it was kind of like okay he's just doing his thing let's just let him do it and then we can you know and just carry on with what we're doing uh so yeah it, it did make us more aware especially my mom and dad as well because as i say before they just used to tell him oh stop doing that you're being you know you're being stupid but after diagnosis, it was like, oh, okay, it's one of his, you know, it's one of his ticks or one of his whatever he's doing. Uh, so, yeah, I think it, it did help with uh, being more patient with him, especially when you're getting ready to go out. As I say, he's, he had to do things a certain way. Count It was always counting to a certain number. Even just walking, I mean, we lived in a flat. Um, so when we used to walk through the main door, there was like a, there was a pole there that was holding like a little, a little roof that kind of come out a little bit to keep you dry when you're opening the door. 
and he used to have to walk around that pole as well to go into the flat um so yeah things like that it was just kind of like, okay dan just doing his things let's just you know let him, let him do it and then yeah so yeah just made us more aware um which i think made you know made it a little bit easy to live with him i guess for want of a better word but yeah it was a bit a bit frustrating for everyone i think at first anyway yeah but a lot yeah. of understanding from the whole family from you and the whole family mm. i mean that's not always the case but it must have been so helpful for dan really to have such an yeah. understanding family yeah i mean again my dad had no idea about any of these health conditions or you know whatever they they had no idea how they manifest themselves or what they were or what they do and so once they i think once they got a little understanding I mean, you know, again, everyone could do better. Do you know what I mean? There wasn't like the, there wasn't all over him like, oh, Danny, you okay? You, you know, you, there was, it was just kind of like, okay, he's doing his takes. We, we know what that is now. Let's just, you know, let him do him. He's talking to his counselor. They'll sort him out. And yeah, it was kind of like that. So yeah, I guess they were, they were understanding at that point. Yeah. What do you feel as brothers that you uh, openly share a lot about mental health, especially when you're struggling with anything? Uh, you know what between each other not really not really I mean I'm I'm a very uh I'm very closed off anyway that's just how I am uh it's not because I don't want to talk about anything I just I just don't feel I have to do you know what I mean yeah. so I don't really discuss mental health much um nowadays um I don't know if you've uh, spoke to them about this but nowadays it's about well for the last I mean probably from the last 10 10 to 12 years his OCD has been about his health I don't know if he's mentioned anything yeah. to you, Joe, about it. Mainly he's, yeah, mainly his ears. He's absolutely mm-hmm. obsessed with his ears. He's been struck off the list from a lot of doctors because they just they don't know what to do with him, basically, because he's always going there about his ears. Uh, so when it comes to mental health now, it's mainly just Dan asking me for confirmation about something. Like, oh, sorry, my, my ear's making this, this weird popping noise. Is it, is it going to be okay? What would you do? Well, you know, and he'll kind of want, um, he'll want me to say it's all okay basically um as far as mental health goes that's pretty much any discussion but to him it's about his health but to me i know it's his yeah. ocd and i know he's absolutely fine so yeah the, the talks we have nowadays is dan your ears are absolutely fine you know I, I might say mine does that as well or which some you know it's just normal noises your body makes it's yeah um I don't... so yeah that's that's the only discussions we have nowadays to be honest with you and um, that's all he really wants to talk about yeah he's definitely Mm. talks about his ears quite a lot and I mean it's he's pretty open ears, about his yeah. anxiety he talks about anxiety quite a lot well. and I feel like he does make his anxiety worse I don't know, I hope he doesn't mind saying that, but I feel like he makes his anxiety worse sometimes because he focuses oh, so much on it yeah and then he, he makes his problems worse well another thing of his is his heart he's really worried about his heart mm. um and obviously anxiety causes your heart rate to raise which you know so yeah, it's just kind of like a knock-on effect like my ears are hurting causing him to have anxiety causes his heart to pump a bit faster he's then thinking i can hear my heart beating what's what's wrong with that and you know it kind of just snowballs from there there's been um, a few occasions with that I, i've yeah. been to, been in the pub with him and he's been absolutely fine and he's like oh my heart's racing really hard and then he starts going full on anxiety and called an ambulance and stuff and i was like um yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah i mean he recently started going to the gym again um yeah and the first day he was back at the gym he rung me up and said my heart's pounding quite fast i think it might be skipping a bit am i all right i was like dan you just done a workout you're perfectly fine don't worry about it take a deep mm. breath you're fine but yeah he's that's that's how his ocd is nowadays uh say so that they started leaning towards uh, he doesn't really i don't think he counts anymore uh, I think his counsellor and psychiatrist, when he, I think when he was at school, it kind of got him out the whole counting, um, you know, his OCD telling him to count. But then when he, as he got older, it, it developed into mental health instead, uh, health instead, general health. So, yeah, he's always worried about his health or things that we would completely ignore. He's, you know, if, I, if I'm sitting here, my ear randomly makes a, I don't know, a random ringing noise or something and it passes, I'm like, okay, whatever. But if he hears that, he's thinking, yeah. go to the doctor, I've got something wrong with me. Yeah, yeah he uh, kind of becomes obsessive. I mean, it's not, it, it's yeah. really not uncommon for people that suffer from OCD to have health anxiety as well. Yeah, it's just another obsession, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Exactly. You know, that's but, it. Yeah. yeah. That's yeah. Exactly, we used to have yeah. it quite a lot of football. We used to play five side football quite a lot. And oh, I can't count how many times where he's had to leave because his heart's racing and he's like, oh, my heart's beating really fast. But yeah. you know, that's normal because you're doing exercise. Same if, um, um since he's, I remember, 
his ears, it's always been with his ears noise. If he is loud noise, he'll stand there and he'll cover his ears up with his hands. Yeah. And, um, you know, you just, it's not really a loud noise. It's something that you can quite, you know, if you're, I don't know, uh, anything, anything. If there's a firework going off, he'll hold his ears and he'll be really worried about it. And he'll be like, He'd be yeah. so worried about damaging his ears. I've noticed a few things with him as well. Like he needs a lot of reassurance with things. Like he'll tell you, he'll oh, tell yeah, you something. Definitely. He'll ask you for advice, and then I think he kind of expects you to tell you what he's doing is okay. And if you tell him what yeah. is wrong, he tends to ignore what you're telling him. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, he wants you to say so. If he asks you for an opinion on something, unless you agree with his opinion, and he'll he'll try and bend your words into agreeing with him to do what he wants. To. Mm. Yeah. I've noticed Again, I have I to be pretty blunt with him. Disorder. Yeah, I've noticed I've had to be pretty blunt with him a lot of the times because I've noticed just giving him advice doesn't help. No, yeah. You do have to be blunt with him, yeah. But you have to be careful how you're blunt with him because he can take things the wrong way very easily. Yeah. Um, and when that happens, he, uh, he either goes one or two ways. He either just leaves the conversation or he gets angry. <laughs> yeah, well, the good things are. I mean, we're saying all these things about him, but he honestly, like, it's kind of good. Yeah, it sounds... Yeah. It's. I mean... It's, yeah, I know what you're saying, yeah. Yeah, like, he's pretty good. Like, he's always been, like, when I've struggled with anything like anxiety or I've been depressed, or whatever he's doing, or drop whatever he's doing, or come and pick me up yeah, and he'll yeah, just drive at me. And even if I don't want to talk about it, he'll just sit and he'll sit in the car with me and try and cheer me up. So he's always been yeah, good exactly, in that way, yeah. that he understands, he understands he's been in that position, that he'll be the person to just to sit there and be there for you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. He will definitely he generally doesn't let people down, if, especially if it's something to do with depression, because he gets it. I mean, he was, you know, mm. I think he takes medicine now for a well, while from his surgery line. I think he's on now for depression yeah. and stuff. Uh, yeah, I don't think you mind me saying that, but yeah, it's uh, he's. I think he does have kind of an inside, you know, perspective of things like that. So when someone comes to him and says, oh, "I'm feeling a bit down, Dan," you know, do you want to have a chat? I think he knows that. Okay, you know, I've been there before yeah. myself. Let's let's go have a chat. Yeah. That's what I said when we had Will on not long ago. He used to go to school with Will. Um, we're saying a lot of our, with our friendship group, especially in recent years, like because most of us have got mental health issues, people that didn't understand them before now have them and then they get it. And I think with our friendship group, we are a lot more open about it. And that's one of the good things, especially for someone like Dan yeah, and someone like myself, to have those people there that understand and get like, the other day I was saying to yourself like I took a personal day because I was really depressed and I just couldn't physically work yeah. and even if I wasn't just talking about my issues just talking and having a laugh was just something good for me yeah I that's think, the main thing having people around you isn't it that's that's the main yeah. thing I think Dan's always had people around him uh you know from one way or another uh girlfriends and things like that usually they usually uh, his girlfriends every single one of them usually messages me and asks Dan's yeah. doing this what should I do <laughs> I'll so, yeah, yeah. <laughs> again going back to mental health in the family I have a very mm. play you know because we shared a room for I moved out when I was 18 so from when I was eight years I, I shared a room with him I was going for all these ticks and stuff uh all his OCD so yeah I know I know I know him inside out so yeah he's if he's, if he's got a new girlfriend or something or he might be told, you know, might add someone into the friendship group or whatever. Dan keeps ringing me about his ears. Is, is it? No, it's <laughs> nothing wrong with his ears. Just give him some, you know, <laughs> let him know it's yeah. okay. That's all he wants. <laughs> I mean, I've had my ups and downs with Dan, but like, I kind yeah. of, I think as we've got older, I've kind of just tend to ignore some of the stuff he does now and know that he's like that. Yeah, and that's it. Like, you just got to let him, yeah. It's, it's the thing is, one thing I've learned through the years is it's up to him. There's only one person who can help him and that's, I mean, you can be there for him and you can talk to him, but at the end of the day, mm-hmm. it's himself. Um, you know, he's got to work his way through it. Um, I think he's, uh, is he still seeing a psychiatrist now? I think he was. I don't know if he still is, but he was seeing one recently and that really helped him a lot, actually. Because again, yeah. teaching techniques to deal with it, and it's one of those things where I don't know these techniques. I can't tell him, you know. Mm. So yeah, it's just the the understanding that you've just got to let him. If you don't mm. let him finish his whatever he's doing, you know, OCD related thing, whether it be counting or something to do with his ears, if you don't let him finish it, he'll he'll go absolutely insane. He just he'll panic, and you've just got to let him get on with it. That's one thing yeah. I've learned anyway. 
I mean, did it did it change the the kind of family? You know, with with you know, there was a lot of understanding, but with Dan's diagnosis, or did it mm. change your relationship um, with Dan at the time, Simon? Do you think? From my perspective, me and Dan have always been pretty. We've had our ups and downs with brothers. You know what I mean? But we've, um, you know, we've always been close. Um, so I've seen this from start to finish. Uh, it didn't really affect me much. It was helpful having an under, more of an understanding of it. Um, but yeah, in general, apart from being a little bit impatient with him sometimes, it didn't really affect me. From my mum and dad's perspective, I think he got more attention. I mean, I was quite easygoing as a kid. This is just how I feel. I'm probably completely wrong. But how I personally felt was that he got more attention or if Dan wanted something, Dan got it. If I wanted something, it was kind of like, oh, don't worry, you get it another time, you know, or, or not at all. Mm-hmm. Um, just because of his OCD and stuff, because they knew he would go absolutely insane if a certain thing didn't happen or, you know, because, he, you know, my dad fought a lot as well. Um, I think the, the somebody got older about 15, 16 and you'll have these outbursts you know sometimes the police even had to be called to calm him down it got that bad uh, but again my mum and dad knew why he was doing it it's because he was OCD but yeah I feel like he he had more focus on him than I did um, but again I was a quiet kid anyway so I didn't really speak up but yeah I think that was the main difference was Dan got a lot of attention for his OCD just to keep him calm keep him happy uh, so yeah, whereas before the diagnosis, it was kind of like, oh, we're just being a, you know, being a kid. <laughs> yeah, and the the kind of shift yeah. of attention. I mean, that is also yeah. fairly, fairly common. But I guess I'm hearing something. You were pretty easygoing anyway, so the I shift was, of attention yeah. wasn't didn't bother you really that much. No, not really. I mean, I was. Yeah. The only thing that bugged me was say if Dan got something and I kid things. If Dan got something and I didn't get things, why is he getting it and I'm not? You know, it's yeah. come down to he's got mental disorders and if he doesn't have it he will go insane <laughs> so yeah but no yeah attention wise yeah. i was i, I was I, i'm still i'm quite quiet calm just kind of sail through you know if i do have anxieties or whatever i just tend to remove myself from the situation what was it like uh, for the family when, when when dan did have you know these kind of explosions how did the family deal with that and the police were called so i guess maybe pretty yeah. extreme sometimes so i'll give you an example uh let me think. I'm trying to think. The last one I remember was probably when I was about 16. Uh, again, when, once Dan did get into adulthood, you know, past 18, these outbursts did stop. I think it was a mixture of his OCD and teenage hormones and stuff mm-hmm. that really made him go. But yeah, the, the latest one, I can't remember what the argument was about, but I remember my dad restraining him. He, was, he wanted something and he couldn't have it. And... I think it was something OCD related because whenever it's OCD related is when he goes in these outbursts, you know, he feels he has it or something bad's going to happen. He has to do it or something bad is going to happen to someone or himself yeah. or his health. Uh, so I remember my dad restraining him. My mum kind of just left the room. My dad was like proper bear hugging him to keep him down. Uh, the police were called and he said to the police to just basically take him to a cell, let him calm down for a few hours. And yeah, that's what happened. So as soon as the police got there, he started to apologise and he, he suddenly woke up from his outbursts. Uh, yeah. He started apologising. My dad said, just take him with you anyway. Look, I can't control him. If he's going to have another outburst, I need to, you know, basically I need to make sure he's calm when he returns to the house. So they agreed. They took him away for a few hours and, yeah, brought him back and he was perfectly okay. He apologised. And that that's generally how it went if the police were called. Um, and the police were only called because he, he literally started physically hitting things. Um, and, you know, Dan's five foot ten, about the same height as my dad was at the time. So it's like, you know, it's quite hard to to try and restrain him. You don't want him to go on the streets in case he breaks something. I don't think he ever would hurt someone. Uh, not, a, not a stranger. He wasn't to that extent. But, you know, in case he breaks a, a car or a window or something. So it's kind of like, okay, well, we'll just restrain him and that's that. Um, but the thing that... I'm trying to think what triggered him, what would trigger him to do that. It was usually if my dad got angry with him. So if my mum... My mum was quite calm as well. But if they was having an argument about something and my dad started to lose his temper a bit, Dan would lose his temper 10 times more. <laughs> um, yeah, that's generally what that's generally what would happen, yeah. I'm trying yeah. to remember it was so long ago. <laughs> that, that can be a sign of border, the personality disorder as well. That's exactly, yeah, that's what it is. That's what I'm like. Yeah. I used to... I'm uh, okay now because I'm a mood stabilizer. But someone yeah. with borderline personality disorder... You'd have the tiniest little thing that would trigger you. It could be anything. Oh, like yeah. with me, it was the tiniest bit of criticism, and I'd just go like that and lose it. And yeah. I got to the point eventually where I knew in my head 
where I was going to go and I'd just take myself off, go off on a walk mm. and just kind of calm down because I knew yeah. it just wasn't worth arguing about it because it was just going to make things worse. Yeah. But I and Dan, Dan, I know Dan can be like that because I've been with, in places with where I've had to calm him down and just said it's just not worth it. Do you yeah, want to get yourself into thing, trouble? Well, yeah. Which is what my dad should have done. Instead of going, you know, if they say he wanted something, my parents said no. Um, Dan started getting angry. Then my dad will get angry. Then Dan will get 10 times more angry. And that would snowball into these arguments yeah. where p- the police would be called, basically. Um, whereas if my mom and dad are more, if they knew what was wrong with him, if they had more of an understanding of how to, you know, maybe even parenting classes just to help deal with someone who suffers with these, uh, you know, yeah. health conditions. Instead of getting angry, they should have tried to calm him down, you know, said, okay, Dan, let's all calm down a bit. Let's go, you know what I mean? Instead of getting irate mm-hmm. as well. But again, yeah, that comes down to education again, doesn't it? Yeah. Is, yeah. So at these points, I was pretty much in my room just with my headphones on. It's kind of, yep, Dan's been Dan. I'll just <laughs> kind of, you know, go in my own, just yeah. kind of leave him to it. <laughs> yeah, so, so I mean, you kind of zone out, really. I, yeah, yeah, I mean, as I say, I was kind of, I... I was pretty much in my, I wouldn't say in my own little world, but I was just doing my own things. It's just, you know, I was quite a average kid. didn't really have much issue. I mean, apart from anxiety, I pretty much had that all my life. But again, it's pretty minor and I knew what to do if I felt a little bit lightheaded or not comfortable in a situation or just kind of leave myself, you know, leave the situation. It's, yeah, I just kind of left them to it. I was kind of in the background while all these things were happening. <laughs> I mean, would, would Dan talk to you like yeah. after this kind of outburst and going, to, you know, going with the police and then coming back? Would, would he, would you kind of both talk about it? No, it would be, it would be as if it never happened. Um, be as if it never happened. I remember one time he frustrated me. I mean, I'm not a violent person, but one time he frustrated me so much, I did actually, you know, get a little bit physically violent with him. And he said it straight away. He pretty much just left the room and was like, then he come back in after, after he calmed down a little bit and he was perfectly fine. It's like nothing happened. Yeah. Yeah, it's the escalation and kind of coming yeah, down. I mean, that's it. Yeah. I mean, I don't He's know what his perspective will be of it, but this is this is my perspective anyway. If, you know, I mean, he might have seen things differently, but yeah, you just tend to see the the extreme. You go from zero to extreme, yeah. and you see the extreme when you're in that situation. I can definitely talk from personal experience. Yeah. The same with friends and as well. It, I mean, we 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 had some of the same sort. Sorry, we had the same sort of uh, friendship groups, and if I was with a friend and he wasn't. He would not like that at all. Like he would want it. If I was saying oh, I'm just going to, you know, so and so's house to play some games or something, he'd want to come too. But if their parents said, "Oh no, don't," you know, only one at a time, you know, Simon's around today or whatever, he would not like that at all. He'd feel, you know, he'd get major FOMO. Basically, he'd think he's missing something out. It, it really. It, I mean, when I say he, he'd really get angry about it, and you know, I'd end up saying, "Okay, you know what? You go. I'll stay here." Uh, so that's another thing. That's that's another way it affects me, I guess, as well. Or if I was around someone's house, you know, mum or something will text me and say, you've got to come home, Dan's, you know, it's not fair on Dan or something. And I'm kind of like, well, I haven't been out like all week. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Because like, Dan's yeah. angry again. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like his mental health ever has a knock on, his mental health issues ever have a knock on effect with you. Like if he's feeling down, you chat to him, you then start feeling those sort of emotions that he's feeling uh... from. Honestly, not really. No, not really. Um, Dan was kind of in, you know, his little world of his, his issues. And I was just, as I say, in the background most of the time, if Dan was angry and irate, even to me, I'll just, apart from the one or two times where, you know, we, we might have had a little fight or something, which again, you know, wasn't like a major fight just until, you know, we were soon separated and both calmed down and that was it, it was forgotten about. But yeah, most of the time it was, unless he was actually targeting me to annoy me or if I was, doing something and he wanted to do it and he was trying to force me off of it or something like that. Unless it was something like, you know, that directly affected me. Uh, not really, no. Didn't really bother me in the slightest. It was just kind of Dan was doing his, what he does. Yeah. <laughs> was, was there effects yeah. on your, on your mum and dad kind of looking back? Because I guess it's a difficult thing for, for your parents to deal with. And maybe you weren't privy to all the conversations uh, that, that they had about it. But I mean, what, what, looking back as an adult, what do you, what do you see? I mean, it must have been hard for them. No? Oh, looking back, yeah. You know yeah. what? Uh, when I look back at the time, I wouldn't didn't notice, but yeah, looking back, I think it was a lot of stress because they used to argue as well. Um, mainly about Dan. Usually, it'd be my mom backing Dan up, and my dad being more high tempered, kind of saying like, "No, I'm not. You know, I'm not giving into. I'm not giving into a kid kind of thing." 
I remember mom being like, oh, but you know, he's he's got these issues. He needs to, I remember then they did used to have arguments like that. Um, yeah, so yeah, I think it definitely caused tensions between them. Yeah, so they'd have different ideas around, you know, how to yeah, manage I the think situation. They different, exactly, yeah, I think they did have different, again, it wasn't all the time, just from what I remember, they did used to, if, if Dan just had an outburst and he'd calm down, they'd kind of talk about it afterwards and maybe they'll start arguing themselves about it. And yeah. yeah. But as I say, they're, they're two different people. My mom's a lot calmer than my dad. Um, they, they divorced in 2013, I think. Um, which again, Dan was moved out by then for his own family. Um, and I'd already gone. So it didn't really affect us that much, to be fair. And then I would say that conflict between parenting mm. styles is fairly common with, you know, with a, yeah. if there's mental health in the family, or if there's not really, you know, I mean, just like you say, they're individuals, aren't they? They're going to have different ideas. They've got, got their own lens, you know, they've been yeah, brought up exactly, in their own yeah. way. It's really complex, isn't it, really? Yeah. And with me, it was kind of like, the, the main thing with me, the only conflict I had was kind of like, you know, why is he getting that and I'm not? That was the only arguments I really had. Yeah. And it was like, well, you know what Dan's like, he's he's got to have it or he's got to do this or, you know, he would just, you know, whatever. You know, you're, you're, you're right, you can have it in a few months or something because they knew I would, you know, I'm quite calm. I just thought, okay. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, in yeah. a way, like looking at the whole family system, I mean, yeah, it must have been difficult for you in some way, you know, to, you know, for kind of Dan to come come first. But I guess mm. your laid your laid back style really helped because I guess there could have been intense sibling rivalry. I mean, that if you'd have been a different personality, I mean, yeah, you could have got definitely. really angry about it, and the whole thing could have kind of exploded. I mean, I think that happens in families sometimes. But you being really understanding has obviously really helped. I think. What yeah i mean i think it yeah, i think it did affect me later on in my high school life uh because i was pretty disruptive i did actually in year 10 so when i was about 15 i went through a bit of a bad patch with my behavior just from people i was hanging around with and stuff uh again i think it, thinking back at it it was so i got i got expelled from school and i had to go to uh a place called limes college which were you know misbehaving kids which i did not fit in at all so <laughs> i generally wasn't a misbehaving kid i just kind of had this really bad year and thinking back, I think that, you know, that point when I was rebelling and just kind of hanging out with the wrong people and, you know, at school, not listening to teachers and swearing and doing all the, doing everything to go against the system, basically, which was totally out of character for me. And I remember the head teacher actually saying to my dad, because my dad got called in when I got expelled for, for good and just saying, look, it's like he comes to school today with the mentality to be expelled, to be kicked out. And truth be told, I probably did, because I just didn't, I just was fed up with regime and with being this, you know, this calm and collected person. I just kind of went off the went off the rails a little bit. Again, I don't think it's, I don't know if it was a mental health thing or not, but I think I was just literally fed up with being the quiet one all the time. And mm. so I got expelled from school and I went to Lyme College and I was good there. And I, I got some work experience. And I mean, I've sorted myself out pretty quick after. I've got GCCs and everything now, and you know, I've got a good job and stuff. So I did sort myself out. But I just remember that particular year, I was just really not myself and really out of character and all the teachers said exactly the same thing and when I went to this special behavior college Lyme's college they, they all kind of said we don't know why you're here you're well behaved you do your work you you did good at school we don't know why you did this. why and it was kind of like I don't know and thinking back I think it was just like a, a combination of me just suppressing the years of Dan being number one and me being in the background being quiet mm. and I just think it just all you know manifested in that year of just me being this pain in the butt, basically. Uh, and you know, it's I think that's how it affected me, if I'm honest with you. Yeah, uh, I mean, that's really kinda, interesting. Yeah. yeah, I can't remember any. I can't remember being like having any pen up rage or anything. I just, I just think the only reason I really did that was just because for a bit of attention. Do you know what I mean? Just to be there. Mm. Because Dan wasn't the best at school either, and everything. I think I just wanted to be a bit more. Uh, you know, a bit more recognised, I guess. Yeah, you wanted to be heard. I mean, I don't think I've ever... Yeah, to be heard. I don't think I've ever really thought about it like that. But yeah, that's, I think that's what it is. Because for all the years, I've always thought, why was I like, you know, why was I so stupid that year? What did I... It was pretty much just, it was something as simple as, I'll go to my classroom and my teacher will say, oh, Simon, could you take your jacket off? You know, because I was wearing my own hoodie or something and I had to wear a uniform. And I'd be like, no. It's like, well, <laughs> just take your jacket off. Come on. <laughs> But yeah, it was kind of like I was rebelling against the rules for a bit. And it was it was literally just for a year, probably not even a year. And then before that and after that, I was pretty much myself again. It was like I just had to get all this out of my system. 
can't remember anything building up or anything. I just started to, I don't know, started to be a bit more like Dan that year. And I think that one of the reasons that was was because of just being this background character all the time, just being in the background and watching, you know, Dan get all this attention and all the naughty kids getting all this attention. I was kind of like, you know what, I want a bit of that. I'm going <laughs> to... I'm going to step out my shell a little bit and you know I, I think that's how it affected me to be fair I mean yeah it was, it was yeah thinking of it yeah you can be like me I'm a bit of a quiet like yeah. that person um but like I've got an older I'm I've got an older sister so I know it's like to have a sibling and it was mm. probably times myself where I think I, I don't want to drop her in the ditch or dig her in the ditch but like I was I've always been the better behave and stuff and tend to yeah. avoid getting into trouble where she'd do stuff like the school where she'd jump a fence and stuff and I think there were moments where I was like I want to be noticed mm-hmm. and I think from the brilliant I used to fade into the background a little bit because I didn't want to say something and then someone would pick, pick on me but yeah, I was kind of lucky that I mean my sister had her own stuff I um, won't discuss it too much because she probably doesn't want me to share but she had her own mental health stuff and I I didn't even know what it was like I just remember her going to see this thing like um this therapist lady and they called it cams and I was like I thought it was the name of the lady I thought the lady was called cam and she was just going to see her yeah yeah, I didn't know why she was going to see this lady I was thought oh maybe she's just struggling because she's unwell uh, but like looking back now, I was like, oh, now I know what it is because I've ha- I had cams myself, and I was like, oh, okay, it's not mm-hmm. a person; it's a type of mental health stuff. Um, Dan like, might have had cams. Does sound familiar. Yeah. So, like I, I knew a little bit about mental health from my sister, but I didn't know what she had was a mental health thing. Mm-hmm. And I, I've got my mum's a nurse as well as most people that listen know. Um, so she understood mental health quite a bit, but like when I had the depression side of it and I was saying I was depressed, my mum's like, oh, you're probably just sad, but like she didn't know a lot of the background stuff because I'm quite a quiet person and I yeah. tend to, to, I'd tell my friends stuff that I wouldn't tell my parents, like I was self I've mentioned it on my film that I was self-harming when I was young um, and my parents didn't know that and as soon as my parents, as soon as I got diagnosed with anxiety and depression and I told my told my doctor that and the doctor told my mum so I didn't know you were doing any of the stuff. If I knew you were doing that stuff, I probably would have stepped in and helped you a lot sooner. Yeah. Like, yeah, I, mean, really... I, never, I never noticed himself harming or anything like that. That's something he's never, um, as far as I know, he's never done that. Um, one thing he used to like to do, though, think about the things he, you know, siblings influencing you is, um, so he used to like bunking off of school a lot, which is when you skip school, basically. If, yeah. Who doesn't know? <laughs> yeah. And he used to drag me into doing it as well. He used to like, come on, you go in, do morning registration, then walk out with me and we'll go, you know, whatever. And I remember one of the first times I ever got in serious trouble at school was, um, this was leading up to my bad year when I got expelled from school, was he's, he encouraged me to bunk off of him. Um, so, you know, we, we, we stayed off school that day. And it got to about two o'clock. And, you know, we was fine, we was home and dry. And then uh, we was walking down the street, to, we was going somewhere and the police drove past. Dan being Dan, started panicking and ran. So the police then turned around and thought, why is he running? So they went back, picked Dan up. I was still calm and collected. And then they took us back to school, basically. We, we couldn't lie away that. We were just like, okay, yeah, yeah. how old are you? What's your name? So like, well, they're the police. We know not to lie to the police. We're not even gonna try. So they took us back to school. And Dan was always in trouble anyway. So he got in, you know, he, they were just like, oh, Dan's Dan kind of thing. You know, we'll put him in isolation, which is where you're on your own for a few days, basically doing your own work. But me being, having a clean slate and whatever, I took the brunt of it, I think. <laughs> and yeah, so they, they shouted at me, whatever, embarrassed me, sent me to my tutor room to where my whole class was literally signing out to go home. And I, like, you know, everyone knew about it. And I was kind of like, oh, no. And so then I got put in isolation for a few days, which I actually liked because I was on my own. So <laughs> didn't mind that too much. But yeah, so Dan got me in, in quite a bit of trouble. And I think that led to my year of being a bit of a terror, really, because I felt a bit more like, okay, you know, I can get in trouble and I'm still here. I'm still here. Mm. Everyone was talking to me. Everyone was talking about me. I quite like having, I, I think secretly, I quite liked having the attention of being the bad, you know, the bad guy, essentially. Um, so I think, 
yeah, I mean, it's like a domino effect, isn't it? One one thing, I got big trouble that day. I thought, okay, you know what? That didn't actually bother me too much. I got shouted at. Everyone thought I was cool because I was bunking off school and got in trouble. You know, all the kids were like, oh, what did you do? Where did you? It's like, hang on, this person doesn't usually talk to me. What's going on here? Yeah, so maybe like you say, it was yeah. look, looking back, I mean, none of this was conscious at the time, of course, but nope. maybe it was something about the attention. You were the, you, you were the late, yeah, that one, you was. know. Yeah, and then Dan got kind of got the attention, you know, understandably, and it's yeah. happens in families. But that year, you know, some some somewhere inside, you just thought, yeah, yeah. I'm just gonna, I, I like this attention. I'm just gonna it's start like, acting yeah. out a bit. Because Dan had, yeah. Dan wanted someone to do these things he was doing. He didn't want to bunk off school on his own or anything. He was trying to, he wanted someone to do it with, so he was mm. encouraging me to do it. And me being the quiet, laid back, was like, oh, okay, you know what? I'll just go along with it and see what happens, kind of thing. And yeah, that yeah. kind of led to me skipping other classes as well on my own accord without even, you know what I mean? It's kind of like I was being influenced because it's like, oh, it's Dan, you know. Dan Dan gets what Dan wants and everyone listens to Dan. So yeah. me being the younger sibling, looking up to him, was kind of like, okay, well, let's let's give this a go. Let's see what happens. And I was thinking, hey, where's all this tension coming from? And that's, I think that led to me being expelled from school essentially i mean at the time i didn't realize any i was just kind of you know i was a kid i was just kind of going along with my older brother that was it but thinking yeah. back i think that's what it was it was definitely the attention which was a byproduct of dan influencing me to do these things because he had ocd and stuff and you know he if he was bunking off school and stuff he generally didn't get in that much trouble or anything because it's kind of like, okay well he's got mental health issues he's seeing psychiatrists and stuff and then there's me, the the you know the well-behaved child, kind of going along with it because I didn't know much, didn't know much better. Yeah, and the, and the feeling like mm. not conscious either. You know, well, I'm going to no, be no, a bit yeah. like Dan, just see what yeah. happens. Really, at the time, it definitely wasn't. I'm going to be a bit like Dan, but thinking back now, I think that's what it was. You know, I definitely think that's what influenced me because it was, like I say, it was like it wasn't me. It was that character for me. Mm-hmm. Do you remember how your parents reacted, Simon, that, uh, over that year? Because they must have, it was so out of character. I remember, I remember one of the first things they said to me was, I don't expect this from you, I expect this from Dan. <laughs> that was one of the first things my mum said to me when she got me from school. I don't expect, that this line. <laughs> I expect this from your brother. Why are you being like this, essentially? You know, why are you trying to be like him? I remember that clearly. Mm. And me just standing there and being like, and me just like, I don't know. I don't know. I'm bored. I don't know why. I just, I just, I don't like school or something. When truth be told, I didn't actually mind school that much. <laughs> I've had that as a younger sibling, especially like I'm probably same as yourself. Like my sister was yeah. quite popular, and she used to do naughty stuff. And I thought, oh, she's doing the stuff. She's popular. She's pretty cool. Why don't I do it? And I was always the one that would get caught, especially when we were mm. kids. She'd do something. Yeah, I'd copy, yeah. and then I'd get. I'd get into trouble. Yeah, you'd get in trouble one. for it. Yeah, I'm the one that get caught. I remember one situation when we were little kids, um, and there was a TV commercial on t- TV for Christmas, and my sister was like, "Oh, that's cool. Oh, that's rubbish. Oh, that's crap. That's crap. I don't want it." And I was copying all this stuff. I was like, "Oh no, I don't like that either. I don't like that." And then my mum walked in. And I went, "Oh, that's crap." I copied my sister. I was like, "Oh, I don't like that. That's crap." And my mum went, "Did you say crap?" And my sister was like, oh, no, no, I didn't say it. And I was like, I didn't say crap either. My mum was like, damn. Mm. So, yeah, there's a lot of stuff where, like, I think my the sister... The blame game, I remember the blame game. Yeah, Dan used to be... Uh, Dan still does that now. <laughs> it's, it's I don't like, think there was times where I, I'd copy yeah. my sister because I thought she was cool. And then I'd be the one that'd get into trouble. And I was always, like, quite a good kid. I rarely got detention. I rarely would get into trouble or really bunk but like i think as i got older i tend to after the, oh, like especially in college there was classes where i bunk like i doing gcse retake i used to hate it. i was like i just don't want to do this because i'm just going to fail again so i used to bunk quite a lot and not go to my lessons yeah and you didn't really get punished in college if you missed the lessons unless it was your actual course that you were doing because i was doing it as additional i rarely used to i used to just avoid it and my sister used to, <laughs> it was quite similar like there was times where she'd probably bunk lessons and I'd be like, oh, why are you home? And she's like, oh, I'm not got lessons today. But I think having I think having that sibling siblings where they understand where especially with mental health, going back to the topic, like mm-hmm. having siblings that have mental health is probably better helps you understand it a lot better. I think knowing now, like being older and seeing stuff that 
my sister struggled with, I think that helped our relationship a bit, even though I didn't know what it was. When I went started going through my own stuff, she could she could support me because she understood it. She yeah. she she never like you and your brother. I mean, she lives. She doesn't live with her parents anymore. But like when when I went back when I'm, when I was not in Australia when I went back to Australia after having my mental health breakdown, she was living at home and she was really supportive and stuff. Like it, I've always had a really good relationship with my sister in regards to my mental health. I can be pretty open with her if I don't tell my mum. I'll tell my sister and I'll talk to my sister about it and she'll listen and she understands and she gives really good advice. And when I went for my breakdown a few years ago, she was so supportive. She said, I just said to her, I walked in the door, I remember getting home because we had so many delays. And I walked in the door and I said, I don't want to talk about it right now. She's like, that's fine, just tell me when you're ready. And yeah, I think uh, it does help. It helps so much having siblings and family that understand mental health because, I mean, there are probably families out there that don't understand it. Yeah, definitely. I definitely agree with that. Uh, let's say one thing I've grown up with Dan is I can recognize the signs so easily. So whether it's with my own mm-hmm. kids or a friend or something, if I see him doing something, I, I know what it is. Whether yeah. it's depression or a slight change in personality, it's like I'm kind of, I'm a bit more sensitive to it now. I can see, okay, well, he's acting slightly out of character. Let's see, you know, I'll kind of be like, you're right, what's going, you know. Um, yeah. Yeah, I can definitely recognize the signs or uh say if i'm at work and i'll deliver to someone i can definitely tell and you know yeah i can almost recognize that yeah i'm the same yeah i'm the same with a lot of having your own image yeah you know things but it's kind of like you know what to say and what to you know uh yeah but yeah i mean at the time i don't think it brought me and dan closer because we were close anyway um, just because we were sharing a room together, we had no choice we had to be (laughs) you know i mean if we didn't we had to be close so we, we did talk about things a lot not really mental health related though. Um, again, he didn't really talk to me about his OCD or his anxiety or anything. It was mainly just between him and the counselor or psychiatrist, or he might talk to my mum or dad about it, mainly my mum. A little, not yeah. much. He didn't usually give much. Um, but now, nowadays, he's, he doesn't talk much about mental health. He's more, he's very, very open with anything he's having an obsession about now. Yeah, I've noticed whereas that before, with him. He'd have to do, yeah, so whereas before he'd have to do a certain thing, Whereas now it's kind of like he has to vocalise it and tell someone to get it out of his system. So it's not before it was like yeah. ten, do this ten times, then uh, this feeling will go away. Whereas now it's like, okay, I have to tell someone this and get some, you know, get some reassurance, or it's not going to go away. Yeah, I've definitely noticed that with them, especially in recent like the last few years. I mean, I, I don't live in the same country anymore as you guys, as you as you know, and a lot of our listeners know. But when I was in the country, he used to tell me a lot more. And I think, like, especially with his partners, I think they yeah. appreciated having me around because I kind of kept him mellowed out and calm and understood yeah. when he was doing a stupid thing, I'd tell him and I'd be honest with him. And like what happened, uh, messages, he messages yeah. me and he says, I wish you were still here. Like, honestly, I feel like there's been situations where I, I won't tell him, say what they are, where he's just gotten himself into trouble. And it's like, I kind of wish you were here because I wouldn't have, probably wouldn't have done that because yeah, you knew how like to talk me out of it. I won't then, go into specifics, but he did that a few years ago, didn't he? Because I remember you messaged me and another person messaged me saying <clears throat> that Dan's saying silly things, basically, you know, that he's going to yeah. self-harm himself. Yeah. Um, but he didn't message me that. Yeah, I, say anything to I had to call. I ended up yeah. calling you because I couldn't get hold of it. You know the you know the time I mean, don't you? Was, yeah, yeah. About what three, four years ago now. Uh, yeah, it would have been. Yeah, I thought at the time probably. I thought that was a bit strange. I was kind of like, well, why didn't he ask? Why didn't he message me? And mm. thinking back, I think it's just because he, he one he wanted attention, uh, which is what it usually is, and it's usually a cry for help. Uh, and two, I think he knows that I know what he's like, and that mm. he wouldn't of acted on whatever he was saying do you know what i mean yeah so whereas if he messaged you and other people they'll kind of be like oh dan's saying really you know really uh you know dan's saying the, these things uh i'm worried about him whereas if he messaged me i would just kind of message back saying you know dan you know what this is just you know yeah come on. <laughs> yeah. it's a shame it's not on because there was a question i wanted to ask man i feel like you said obviously he's a bit more open with his mum, and yeah this is a topic we talk about like I, I was the same with my dad. Like, you probably wouldn't tell your dad as much because uh, yeah, that yeah. generation didn't really understand mental health. 
they'd tell you to get on with it. And it's a topic, it's been brought up a few times with the people who had a podcast, like Will came on and he said that his dad, I mean, his dad's probably a bit, he said his dad is a lot more understanding now, but he would kind of just brush it off. And my dad, after I had my breakdown, my dad's been so understanding. He's asked, I remember they came to pick me up from Australia after I had my breakdown and we took the dogs for a walk. And that's mm-hmm. honestly the first time he's ever spoken to me and asked me about what happened and asked me about my mental health and what caused it and what I, he needed to do to help me make it help make it yeah. better. And that was, that resonated with me so much. Like the fact that my dad was making the effort to try and understand what was going on after he probably didn't really understand it before. And that's why he probably never really asked. And now like he's so mm-hmm. good at understanding it. Like my mum's always yeah. been really supportive and really understanding. I'm not saying my dad's not supportive, but my mum's always understood it because she's in that she does nursing and she is a nurse. So she's always understood it. And if she's something she's not understood, she's asked me or she's asked one of her colleagues who does mental health nursing. And like she's always made the effort to understand. The same with my sister, my sister's always had having her own mental health stuff and she's always been asked always made the effort to ask yeah i mean i agree i mean my mom's always been on even before he was diagnosed she was uh i'm sorry gonna... there we go sorry about that i'm gonna go out in a sec that's all so i think yeah to wrap up then um because i've got to i've got to take my daughter somewhere but to wrap up then i think yeah uh, my mum was always understanding, even before he got diagnosed by, you know, the counsellors and psychiatrists, whatever, she's always been there for him and a little bit more understanding, even before we knew why he was counting. She was always a lot calmer and kind of like, come on, Dan, let's, let's go, you know, it's okay. Whereas my dad's always been very like, oh, Dan, come on, back in, like, you know, let's go, we're going to get going. Uh, and after the diagnosis, my mum has carried on being that calm, collected mm. person. And my dad tried, but, you know, he's always been a bit more high-tempered anyway. Um, and yeah, I mean, even to, so through the years, it was always my mum that was talking to him mainly about his mental health. My dad did try, but again, they did have those moments where they had arguments and stuff where they'll both get angry because my dad will start off calm. Then when Dan, you know, is Dan and does what he does, yeah, <laughs> you know, it carries on obsession about something. Then he'd, um, he'd get angry, Dan would get angry and that would lead to, you know, whatever. Yeah. But my mum's always been the calm one and always been the more lean one with him. And even now, he sees my mum all the time. Uh, my dad, they only really see each other if, you know, they're helping each other out with something, um, but they don't really talk about anything mental health related. Uh, Say so me and my dad, I don't really talk to him at all, to be honest with you, apart from maybe the odd high or whatever, that's about it. He's, he's yeah. quite closed off as well. Um, but yeah, mum, my mum has always been there for him. And even now, he'll go around there and he'll, if he's got a major health worry or having an obsession over something she would listen to him and she would advise him and she would talk to him so yeah i think she got a really good grip of what it is yeah um as we um thing we asked all our guests and um, sorry mark mm-hmm. um the last thing i wanted to ask really um we always ask our guests what's your favorite bit of advice for mental health or your favorite coping strategy my favorite um uh, so one thing i was told um so again, when I was a lot younger, when I was probably going just after this bad year, one thing someone at this uh, behavior college I was going to told me was, because I, I did have a lot, I did have anxiety at that point, you know, and they could see I was worrying about things because I was, you know, I was got kicked out of school. I was kind of thinking, what the hell do I do now? Um, one thing I was told was just to not let it overcome you, just kind of like accept it's there, let it kind of go over you. You know, if I'm thinking, oh, man, what if they're, they heard me do that and now they're thinking this certain thing about me just kind of accept the thought is that just like okay i'm gonna think that yep just let it go let it go over you don't fight it accept it that, that's one of the best things i think i was ever told and i still do that now so if i'm if i'm in public and say i trip over something and i'm thinking oh no who saw me <laughs> so like, okay well i'm gonna feel like this now that's perfectly fine let's just let it go deep breath and kind of just let it you know accept the thought is there um yeah. If that makes any sense, that was yeah, that's that's really good. Was well, told, yeah. Just don't yeah. fight it because if you fight it, it's going to be stronger. Um, yeah, that's yeah, that, that's so true. That's a really good coping strategy. Mm. Yeah. yeah, that's what I personally use. I say, I, I yeah. say, my mental health is nothing like Dan's, but that's what I do now. If I do have any little you know moments, yeah. But yeah. Well, 
Thanks for coming on, Simon. It's a shame that Dan, uh, Dan couldn't join us. Hopefully, we'll have you back on again at some point. And yeah, be. We'll get Dan I'd be on. Interested to hear his. Yeah, I'd be interested yeah. to hear Dan Dan's perspective on this. So yeah, that'd be yeah. good. Um, and thank thank you, Mark, for helping co-host again. Um, sure. Thank you to our listeners for watching. We'll be back with another episode tomorrow. Um, we'll be talking with Hannah Buckland about mental health first aid. Um, and just stay tuned for the next episode. Thanks, Simon. Thanks, Mark. Yeah. Thanks for having me, guys. No worries. Good to meet you, Simon. And you. Thank you. Take care. If you or anyone you know has been affected by the topics discussed in today's episode or previous episodes, please contact your local or country's helpline. You will find them by going to Google and typing in helpline. Um, They have Samaritan's suicide helpline, but remember that you're not alone, as the title of the podcast says. Um, there are many other people like you that have got mental health issues and feel suicidal and feel alone, but there's always someone there for you to talk to, be it a friend, a family member, a stranger, a psychotherapist or a doctor. There's someone to talk to. I've been in that position before and talking to someone really does help. It's okay to not be okay. And I will see you in the next episode.